Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Mike Kubacki. Mike is the head coach of the men's team at Calumet College of St. Joseph. Mike, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klemkin here. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be here. I really appreciate you guys having me on again. All right, well, who's your classic? The second event, the 25-game Baker block. You guys bested all 34 teams, quite a full uh, varsity field of teams there for you guys. What what do you think were some of the keys to your guys' successes last Saturday and in, in winning that first uh, Baker event of the weekend? Well, I think uh, one of the huge pluses that we have going for our program this year is that I have a very experienced group. So everybody that was part of that team um, was part of that team last year. So they already had a pretty good understanding of how I want them to go about working together. Um, they had a pretty good understanding of how I'm going to be in competition. Um, so when, when we get into these moments like this, where it's 25 Baker games, we're really tracking off of each other and communicating well with each other and learning from each other. And I just think that's something that we do as a team unit about as well as anybody in college. Would you say then, though, over the, the past year that what we've been dealing with, the pandemic, having that experience on the team, has that helped you guys too then where you're not as maybe far behind as some other teams would be regarding just the craziness of, of what, what college bowling teams have been going through? Oh, definitely. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, I took a very hands-off approach this year. I gave them an extremely relaxed fall um, because I knew I had an experienced uh, team and I knew that the stress of everything else was going to be plenty of stress. And many of them were learning how to go to online classes all the time. And, uh, and that's actually a lot of work. A lot of people don't realize how much extra work and extra stress that is not only for the students, but for the teachers as well. So, I knew uh, I had a pretty good understanding of the other things that they were going to be dealing with this year. So um, our fall, we went very relaxed, very hands-off, and um, and I think that really helped them be a little bit more mentally ready, too. They were kind of thirsting for the competition when it came. Yeah, yeah I got to imagine that, you know, as far as preparing mentally had to be as, as just as important, if not even more important, than the uh, the physical preparation. I mean, it was nice to have a lot of extra time to – maybe work on developing some new physical techniques, but uh, sort of mentally handling those challenges, I'm sure was, was very important. Well, probably the biggest change we've seen in the last five years is just that, you know, uh, we've been pretty blessed to have some talented players come through our program, and especially more so in the last seven or eight years. And, you know, uh, as a extremely good player yourself, how mental the game can be. And, you know, when you have players that are this physically talented, like we do at times, um, just making sure they're right mentally is probably the most important thing you can do for them. And uh, so we've, we've really taken 
a strong look at that in the last five or six years and recognize the importance sometimes of actually taking the game away a little bit more rather than practicing up too much. Um, because you know, uh, you know, bad practice isn't good practice. So, you know, mm-hmm. good practice is good practice. And, uh, so yeah. sometimes, you know, I, we, we tell our guys now, if, if I'm not working with you today and you're throwing shots that don't matter, don't throw shots. You know, we would rather you not throw shots. So, um, we've kind of taken a little bit of a different approach in the last five or six years, just because we feel like the athlete has changed a little bit. And these kids are coming up in sports shots now, so they're a lot more trained. Yeah, that is that is something too, as far as the, you know, the the, the training, the uh, education. Uh, maybe when they do actually get to your program, they they may be in a different uh, uh, a different place uh, and in a different part of their uh, advancement as an athlete uh, than they have been in years past. It sounds like that's what you're seeing. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, I've been. I'm in my 15th season, and when we first started, uh, these kids hadn't even bowled in sport conditions. You know, so imagine now with, you know, what Storm does with Storm Youth Championships and all of the other youth tours around the country. I mean, these players are coming in so much more equipped now. The coaching in the last 15 years in our sport has grown so much. So, you know, um, I between myself and my assistant, Sammy, who's been with me 14 years, uh, one of the nice things about Sammy is he's actually got a psychology degree, you know, so we've really, uh, every year we ask our players to get it better, but every year as coaches, we look at different ways for us to improve as well. And, and that's probably been one of the biggest ones that we've looked at. And coach, I'm, I'm curious then, how do you handle as a bowler is going through your program and they can be a solid player, but you might not see that they're not a, they, the PBA might be a struggle for them. They're not. They're not that 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 top top tier player, but they're still a solid player and could maybe make some do some damage on the regional tour. How do you guys handle that? Or how, you know, you you got guys that want to go on tour, and their their skill level isn't there. Now they can still work on it. Is that how you try to get them build them up to to get to that level where they want to be, or or is it is it maybe a, a a tough conversation you have to have with them at at a certain time? Well, I think. I think the most important thing I do is I get to know each one of my players individually. And believe it or not, I've had some extremely talented players over the years that have said, as soon as college is, is done, I'm done. And, and then I've had other players over the years that just thirst for it and thirst for it and want it and, and bowl everything. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I've never been a coach that has ever set a limit on anybody. And, um, and we all know that, who we are at 21 and 22 when many of them are graduating, that doesn't mean that's who they're going to evolve into. Um, you know, Matt Kuva is probably a great example of that. He's not quite having the success that Michael Davidson is seeing lately out there. Um, but Matt was a player that when I got him, ugh, he was 200 revs up second arrow. And, mm-hmm. you know, go, go take a look at what this game looks like now. And, um, I mean, he worked his butt off in college and became a good player, not a great player. Um, and by collegiate standards, you might not think that he would go off and turn pro. Um, but, uh, but there he is. He's on a staff contract with uh, Brunswick today, you know. So, uh, um, you know, he's a player that has just kept working and gotten better and gotten better. So, 
so I think, uh, you know, I just try to help them be the best version of themselves and help them understand themselves and help them become their own best coach. And, you know, the limits or the end result for them is theirs. And, um, and I just try to help them get wherever they want to get to. And you mentioned, uh, there you, you, you dabbled onto that, uh, discussion, which has come up so much lately on the PBA tour and all the, the recent telecast that they've had, which is the rev rate and how, mm-hmm. how important uh, and what kind of emphasis do you put on that in terms of, you know, they almost, and it's kind of intriguing to me. They almost make it sound, you know, like Francois with the rev rate of around, you know, 360, 365 or so that it's, uh, it's almost amazing to them that, that it's enough to knock over the pins. I mean, are, are, do you have a goal or is there, is it one of those things like, like more is, you know, you have to be 450 or you have to have 475 in order to be a competitive player or what, what's your take on that? Well, uh, it's funny you should say that because I'll tell you, I've had more conversations recently about lowering a player's rev rate than I have about raising a player's rev rate. Um, and I think mm-hmm. if you look at tour right now, some of the guys that had the really high rev rates are actually coming down a little bit. Um, because I think, uh, I think everybody realizes that the most important thing we can do in today's game is have great, great balance and create really stable role. Um, because these bowling balls are so dynamic. So, you know, for some players, that's lowering the rev rate a little bit. You know, I got Kevin McCune in my program. And it's easy for Kevin to rub it at 600, 620. I mean, and he does it naturally. It's crazy. It's obscene. I mean, it's, yeah. And, uh, um, and I've actually had discussions with him about, you know what? I think you're a better player at 550. I think uh, you're a better player at 530. Um, I think that uh, if you're going to get to where you're rubbing at 600, your speed has to be so high to match that uh, with today's oil, it doesn't read it well. Um, you know, so we've actually had some conversations with a player like him at lowering his rubber rate a little bit and making sure that he can still roll the lane. So the most important thing for me is speed and rubber rate need to match. Um, when speed and rubber rate match, teammates can line up off of each other very effectively. Coach, as we head back to the Hoosier Classic, we always know that's a very challenging lane condition, lane pattern that's put out there. And, and I'm curious if your thoughts are, you know, not good or bad, pattern this, pattern that, but can you expect, judging with the pandemic, are, are you maybe expecting or preparing your team a little bit at least for maybe a little less volume on the patterns based on the fact you won't be two teams on pairs and you guys will be a little bit more separated than what you had been? Or, or what are your thoughts on that? Because um, I know me and Steve shared some of ours last week when we were just kind of chatting after the show, but we'd love to hear yours and what how you guys are uh, thinking things are going to be moving forward. Well, that was our initial thought. Um, but the one thing so far that's been happening this year is patterns are being given out ahead of time. You know, so now when you start, you know, so even Nick gave the Hoosier patterns out ahead of time this year. So when you do that, obviously we can prepare a little bit differently. Um, you know, we're going to be going to the Lions Classic this weekend in the St. Louis area. And uh, Phil Vider from Lindenwood runs that, and uh, Phil just gave the pattern out. So, um, you know, it's, I think that it, it's a topic in college bowling that I continue to uh, 
uh, kind of impress upon us creating a standardization. And so far, we don't have a standardization yet. So, uh, unfortunately, I can't completely answer your question because as long as they're going to give us the patterns, then that's how we're going to prepare, you know. So, uh, but, yeah, we were expecting slightly lower volume, but so far we haven't seen that. And what about, you know, scoring pace? Is there a, a preference that you have or see that you think uh, is a benefit to your team? I think a scoring pace that is, I, I would say it's more got to do with a pattern structure. Um, a pattern structure that allows shot makers to strike, but isn't 37 foot or 36 foot flat, <laughs> which is one of the patterns that we saw <laughs> this weekend. You know, 37 mm. foot flat can be pretty brutal. And, uh, and unfortunately, you know, anybody who's been around the game for a long time realizes that on 37 foot flat, that's a, that's a pattern length that kind of plays well on the Brooklyn side when you, uh, miss the right way. And, um, you know, it's not like a lot of times 39, 40 feet or 41 feet where that ball is going to end up going through their nose and 37 feet, the ball ends up going Brooklyn. So unfortunately in our second event, Brooklyn's uh, ended up impacting the event probably a little bit more than some of us bowling purists would like to see happen. Well, I can, t- I can tell you real quick, just to follow up on that. I remember, you know, one of the, one of the great players from the Midwest, USBC hall of famer, uh, Don Scudder. I actually had a, a nice chat with him and, and he's actually, uh, you know, he's won the Peterson classic, which was known to be, you know, one of the toughest tournaments, uh, lane conditions wise that there is, on the planet. Um, and he actually has a lifetime average at the Peterson of 185. If you can imagine that anybody who's, who's bold, that is incredibly, that's over 41 years. That's just, mm-hmm. just amazing. Awesome. But I remember one time we bowled the world team challenge and it was extremely tough. You know, he got down to the end of the Baker game and he absolutely aimed at the one, two and, and went Brooklyn. <laughs> that was his best shot. And he struck and there was no shame in it. <laughs> <laughs> No, definitely. And, you know, yeah, if you're playing it, you're playing it. And, uh, you know, um, it's, it's, it's part of the game. It's, um, you know, I always tell the guys we have to bowl them what's in front of us. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. And, uh, you know, we did, we finished second in that second event. And the truth of the matter is, is that we didn't, we didn't shoot spares well enough. And obviously we all know bowling on 37 foot flat spares can be a little bit tricky. And, uh, yeah. we didn't do a good, we didn't do a good enough job in the first two games. And, uh, um, but we did a much, much better job in the last three for that event. So, um, but that event I was coaching from the hotel room. So that was another unique situation. Wow. Yeah. Can you, uh, can you what explain that, like? that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but the Hoosier, ended up limiting teams to eight, eight bodies. However you wanted to break it up, you got eight bodies. So we ended up going with seven players and one coach. And I, because we bowled the afternoon shift and didn't get done till uh, after we had food and everything, it was probably 11, 1130 at night. And then we had a 6 a.m. leave the hotel the next morning and I have a really good assistant coach. I said, well, I'll coach the afternoon. You're better in the morning than I am. So you go coach the morning one. And uh, so uh, we're live streaming with our own school equipment. So the responsibility of the coach was being the 
be in the uh, hotel room watching the live stream and we're calling back and forth to each other, comparing notes on what we're seeing. And um, yeah, so it was kind of an interesting experience. Coach, my final question, you bring up food and, and grabbing food with, uh, with the team. How do you guys handle that in nutrition? I know that's one thing me and Steve have talked on the show with different uh, health and nutrition uh, folks out there. How do you try to get that into the players or athletes' age at, 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 the, at the college level, or is that something you don't do? How do you, got, how do you guys handle nutrition? Well, I think um, we don't handle it probably as well as we would like to uh, because in our school situation, we do not have a school cafeteria yet. So we have a lot of kids that live in houses together, three, four, five, to a house. Um, and because this year we didn't really get a preseason, um, it wasn't covered in the way that we would like to cover it. Um, but there, there again, the blessing of having, um, an older group this year, um, they're already kind of into those habits, which is really good. And we also have, we don't only have access to the gym at our school. Um, I have a relationship with the local YMCA, that gives our players a next to nothing fee um, use of the YMCA as well. So, uh, and that was another area that, again, we were very loose with this year, um, letting them uh, kind of dictate a little bit more, um, but just talking to them about what they were doing and having them tell us more what they were doing as opposed to us dictating to them, which, again, was something that we could do because we have a more mature group this year. Awesome. Well, well, good stuff, Coach. Uh, Mike Kabaki, sure appreciate your time today, and congrats on your win there at the at the Hoosier Classic. And uh, good luck coming up here. You got St. Charles and uh, a few tournaments in uh, Illinois and uh, the Western Classic in Indianapolis, looks like. So you got a, a bunch of tournaments coming up here uh, over the next uh, four or five weeks, and I want to wish you all the best, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys.